Section 18 of the Book of Household Management. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Read by Dennis Sayers. The Book of Household Management by Isabella Beaton. Recipes. Chapter 8, Part 5. Boiled Turbot. 337. Ingredients. 6 ounces of salt to each gallon of water. Mode. Choose a middling-sized turbot, for they are invariably the most valuable. If very large, the meat will be tough and thready. Three or four hours before dressing, soak the fish in salt and water to take off the slime, then thoroughly cleanse it, and with a knife make an incision down the middle of the back, to prevent the skin of the belly from cracking. Rub it over with lemon, and be particular not to cut off the fins. Lay the fish in a very clean turpet kettle, with sufficient cold water to cover it, and salt in the above proportion. Let it gradually come to a boil, and skim very carefully. Keep it gently simmering, and on no account let it boil fast, as the fish would have a very unsightly appearance. When the meat separates easily from the bone, it is done. Then take it out, let it drain well, and dish it on a hot napkin. Rub a little lobster spawn through a sieve, sprinkle it over the fish, and garnish with tufts of parsley and cut lemon lobster or shrimp sauce and plain melted butter should be sent to the table with it see colored plate e time after the water boils about one half hour for a large turbot middling size about twenty minutes average cost large turbot from ten shillings to twelve shillings middling size from twelve shillings to fifteen shillings seasonable at any time sufficient one middling sized turbot for eight persons note an amusing anecdote is related by miss edgeworth of a bishop who descending to his kitchen to superintend the dressing of a turbot and discovering that his cook had stupidly cut off the fins immediately commenced sewing them on again with his own episcopal fingers this dignitary knew the value of a turbot's gelatinous appendages garnish for turbot or other large fish take the crumb of a stale loaf cut it into small pyramids with flat tops and on the top of each pyramid put rather more than a tablespoonful of white of egg beaten to a stiff froth over this sprinkle finely chopped parsley and fine raspings of a dark colour arrange these on the napkin round the fish one green and one brown alternately to choose turbot see that it is thick and of a yellowish white for if of a bluish tint it is not good illustration the turbot 
the turbot this is the most esteemed of all our flat fish the northern parts of the english coast and some places off the coast of holland produce turbot in great abundance and in greater excellence than any other parts of the world the london market is chiefly supplied by dutch fishermen who bring to it nearly ninety thousand a year the flesh is firm white rich and gelatinous and is the better for being kept a day or two previous to cooking it in many parts of the country turbot and halibut are indiscriminately sold for each other they are however perfectly distinct the upper parts of the former being marked with large unequal and obtuse tubercles while those of the other are quite smooth and covered with oblong soft scales which firmly adhere to the body illustration turbot kettle fish kettles are made in an oblong form and have two handles with a movable bottom pierced full of holes on which the fish is laid and on which it may be lifted from the water by means of two long handles attached to each side of the movable bottom this is to prevent the liability of breaking the fish as it would necessarily be if it were cooked in a common saucepan in the list of messrs richard and john slack c seventy one the price of two of these is set down at ten shillings the turbot kettle as will be seen by our cut is made differently from ordinary fish kettles it being less deep whilst it is wider and more pointed at the sides thus exactly answering to the shape of the fish which it is intended should be boiled in it it may be obtained from the same manufacturers and its price is one pound baked fillets of turbot three thirty nine ingredients the remains of cold turbot lobster sauce left from the preceding day egg and bread crumbs cayenne and salt to taste minced parsley nutmeg lemon juice mode after having cleared the fish from all skin and bone divided into square pieces of an equal size brush them over with egg sprinkle with bread crumbs mixed with a little minced parsley and seasoning lay the fillets in a baking dish with sufficient butter to baste with bake for one quarter hour and do not forget to keep them well moistened with the butter put a little lemon juice and grated nutmeg to the cold lobster sauce make it hot and pour over the fish which must be well drained from the butter garnish with parsley and cut lemon time altogether one half hour seasonable at any time note cold turbot thus warmed in the remains of lobster sauce will be found much nicer than putting the fish again in water fillet of turbot a la italienne ingredients the remains of cold turbot italian sauce sea sauces mode clear the fish carefully from the bone 
and take away all skin, which gives an unpleasant flavor to the sauce. Make the sauce hot. Lay in the fish to warm through, but do not let it boil. Garnish with croutons. Time, five minutes. Seasonable all the year. The ancient Romans' estimate of turbot. As this luxurious people compared soles to partridges and sturgeons to peacocks, so they found a resemblance to the turbot in the pheasant. In the time of Domitian, it is said one was taken of such dimensions as to require, in the imperial kitchen, a new stove to be erected, and a new dish to be made for it, in order that it might be cooked and served whole. Not even imperial Rome could furnish a stove or a dish large enough for the monstrous animal. Where it was caught we are not aware, but the turbot of the Adriatic Sea held a high rank in the eternal city. Turbot a la creme 3.41 Ingredients The remains of cold turbot For sauce, two ounces of butter, four tablespoonfuls of cream, salt, cayenne, and pounded mace to taste. Mode Clear away all skin and bone from the flesh of the turbot, which should be done when it comes from table, as it causes less waste when trimmed hot. Cut the fish into nice square pieces as equally as possible. Put into a stew pan the butter, let it melt, and add the cream and seasoning. Let it just simmer for one minute, but not boil. Lay in the fish to warm and serve it garnished with croutons or a paste border. Time, ten minutes. Seasonable at any time. Note, the remains of cold salmon may be dressed in this way, and the above mixture may be served in a vol au vent. Turbot au gratin. 342. Ingredients. Remains of cold turbot, bechamel, sea sauces, bread crumbs, butter. Mode. Cut the flesh of the turbot into small dice, carefully freeing it from all skin and bone. Put them into a stew pan and moisten with four or five tablespoonfuls of bechamel. Let it get thoroughly hot, but do not allow it to boil. Spread the mixture on a dish, cover with finely grated bread crumbs, and place small pieces of butter over the top. Brown it in the oven, or with a salamander. Time, altogether, one half hour. Seasonable at any time. Boiled whiting. Ingredients. One quarter pound of salt to each gallon of water. Mode. Cleanse the fish, but do not skin them. Lay them in a fish kettle with sufficient cold water to cover them, and salt in the above proportion. Bring them gradually to a boil, and simmer gently for about five minutes, or rather more, should the fish be very large. Dish them on a hot napkin, and garnish with tufts of parsley. Serve with anchovy or caper sauce, 
and plain melted butter. Time, after the water boils, five minutes. Average cost, for small whitings, four pence each. Seasonable, all the year, but best from October to March. Sufficient, one small whiting for each person. To choose whiting, choose for the firmness of its flesh and the silvery hue of its appearance. Illustration, the whiting. The whiting. This fish forms a light, tender, and delicate food, easy of digestion. It appears in our seas in the spring, within three miles of the shores, where it arrives in large shoals to deposit its spawn. It is caught by line, and is usually between ten and twelve inches long, and seldom exceeding a pound and a half in weight. On the edge of the dogger bank, however, it has been caught so heavy as to weigh from three to seven or eight pounds. When less than six inches long, it is not allowed to be caught. Broiled Whiting 344 Ingredients Salt and water Flour Mode Wash the whiting in salt and water, wipe them thoroughly, and let them remain in the cloth to absorb all moisture. Flour them well, and broil over a very clear fire. Serve with maitre d'hôtel sauce, or plain melted butter. See sauces. Be careful to preserve the liver, as by some it is considered very delicate. Time, five minutes for a small whiting. Average cost, four pence each. Seasonable all the year, but best from October to March. Sufficient, one small whiting for each person. Buckhorn. Whitings caught in Cornwall are salted and dried, and in winter taken to the markets, and sold under the singular name of buckhorn. Fried whiting. 345. Ingredients. Egg and bread crumbs, a little flour, hot lard, or clarified dripping. Mode. Take off the skin, clean, and thoroughly wipe the fish free from all moisture, as this is most essential, in order that the egg and bread crumbs may properly adhere. Fasten the tail in the mouth by means of a small skewer. Brush the fish over with egg, dredge with a little flour, and cover with bread crumbs. Fry them in hot lard or clarified dripping of a nice color, and serve them on a napkin garnished with fried parsley. See colored plate D. Send them to table with shrimp sauce and plain melted butter. Time about six minutes. Average cost, four pence each. Seasonable all the year, but best from October to March. Sufficient, one small whiting for each person. Note, large whitings may be filleted, rolled, and served as fried filleted soles. See colored plate A. Small fried whitings are frequently used for garnishing large boiled fish, such as turbot, cod, 
etc. Whiting au gratin, or baked whiting. 346. Ingredients. Four whiting, butter, one tablespoonful of minced parsley, a few chopped mushrooms, when obtainable, pepper, salt, and grated nutmeg to taste, butter, two glasses of sherry or Madeira, breadcrumbs. Mode. Grease the bottom of a baking dish with butter, and over it strew some minced parsley and mushrooms. Scale, empty, and wash the whitings, and wipe them thoroughly dry, carefully preserving the livers. Lay them in the dish, sprinkle them with bread crumbs and seasoning, adding a little grated nutmeg, and also a little more minced parsley and mushrooms. Place small pieces of butter over the whiting, moisten with the wine, and bake for twenty minutes in a hot oven. If there should be too much sauce, reduce it by boiling over a sharp fire for a few minutes, and pour under the fish. Serve with a cut lemon, and no other sauce. Time, twenty minutes. Average cost, four pence each. Seasonable all the year, but best from October to March. Sufficient, this quantity for four or five persons. Whiting aux fine herbs. 347. Ingredients. One bunch of sweet herbs, chopped very fine. Butter. Mode. Clean and skin the fish. Fasten the tails in the mouths, and lay them in a baking dish. Mince the herbs very fine, strew them over the fish, and place small pieces of butter over. Cover with another dish, and let them simmer in a Dutch oven for one quarter hour or twenty minutes. Turn the fish once or twice, and serve with sauce poured over. Time, one quarter hour or twenty minutes. Average cost, fourpence each. Seasonable all the year, but best from October to March. Sufficient. One small whiting for each person. The whiting pout and pollock. About the mouth of the Thames, and generally all round the English coasts, as well as in the northern seas, the pout is plentiful. It bears a striking resemblance to the whiting, and is esteemed as an excellent fish. The pollock is also taken all round our coasts, and likewise bears a striking resemblance to the whiting. Indeed, it is sometimes mistaken by the inexperienced for that fish, its flesh being considered by many equally delicate. To Dress White Bait 348 Ingredients a little flour, hot lard, seasoning of salt. Mode. This fish should be put into iced water as soon as bought, unless they are cooked immediately. Drain them from the water in a colander, and have ready a nice clean dry cloth, over which put two good handfuls of flour. Toss in the white bait, shake them lightly in the cloth, and put them in a wicker sieve 
to take away the superfluous flour. Throw them into a pan of boiling lard, very few at a time, and let them fry till of a whitey-brown color. Directly they are done, they must be taken out, and laid before the fire for a minute or two on a sieve reversed, covering with blotting paper to absorb the fat. Dish them on a hot napkin, arrange the fish very high in the center, and sprinkle a little salt over the whole. Time three minutes. Seasonable from April to August. Illustration Whitebait. Whitebait. This highly esteemed little fish appears in innumerable multitudes in the river Thames, near Greenwich and Blackwall, during the month of July when it forms, served with lemon and brown bread and butter, a tempting dish to vast numbers of Londoners, who flock to the various taverns of these places in order to gratify their appetites. The fish has been supposed be the fry of the shad, the sprat, the smelt, or the bleak. Mr. Yarrell, however, maintains that it is a species in itself, distinct from every other fish. When fried with flour, it is esteemed a great delicacy. The ministers of the crown have had a custom, for many years, of having a white-bait dinner, just before the close of the session. It is, invariably, the precursor of the prorogation of Parliament, and the repast is provided by the proprietor of the Trafalgar, Greenwich fish pie, with tench and eels. 349. Ingredients. Two tench, two eels, two onions, a faggot of herbs, four blades of mace, three anchovies, one pint of water, pepper and salt to taste, one teaspoonful of chopped parsley, the yolks of six hard-boiled eggs, puff paste. Mode clean and bone the tench, skin and bone the eels, and cut them into pieces two inches long, and leave the sides of the tench whole. Put the bones into a stewpan, with the onions, herbs, mace, anchovies, water, and seasoning, and let them simmer gently for one hour. Strain it off, put it to cool, and skim off all the fat. Lay the tench and eels in a pie-dish, and between each layer put seasoning, chopped parsley, and hard-boiled eggs. Pour in part of the strained liquor, cover in with puff-paste, and bake for one half hour, or rather more. The oven should be rather quick, and when done, heat the remainder of the liquor, which pour into the pie. Time one half hour to bake, or rather more if the oven is slow. Fish Scallop 1. 350. Ingredients Remains of cold fish of any sort, one half pint of cream, one half tablespoonful of anchovy sauce, one half teaspoonful of made mustard, ditto of walnut ketchup, pepper, and salt to taste. The above quantities are for one-half pound of fish when picked. Bread crumbs. Mode. 
put all the ingredients into a stew-pan, carefully picking the fish from the bones, set it on the fire, and let it remain till nearly hot. Occasionally stir the contents, but do not allow it to boil. When done, put the fish into a deep dish or scallop shell, with a good quantity of bread crumbs. Place small pieces of butter on the top, set in a Dutch oven before the fire to brown, or use a salamander. Time, one quarter hour. Average cost, exclusive of the cold fish, tenpence. Two. Three fifty one. Ingredients. Any cold fish, one egg, milk, one large blade of pounded mace, one tablespoonful of flour, one teaspoonful of anchovy sauce, pepper and salt to taste, bread crumbs, butter. Mode. Pick the fish carefully from the bones and moisten with milk and the egg. Add the other ingredients and place in a deep dish or scallop shells. Cover with bread crumbs, butter the top, and brown before the fire. When quite hot, serve. Time, 20 minutes. Average cost, exclusive of the cold fish, fourpence. Water Sauchi 352 Perch, tench, soles, eels, and flounders are considered the best fish for this dish. For the sauchi, put some water into a stew pan with a bunch of chopped parsley, some roots, and sufficient salt to make it brackish. Let these simmer for one hour, and then stew the fish in the water. When they are done, take them out to drain. Have ready some finely chopped parsley, and a few roots cut into slices of about one inch thick, and an inch in length. Put the fish in a tureen, or deep dish, strain the liquor over them, and add the minced parsley and roots. Serve with brown bread and butter. 353. Supply of Fish to the London Market From Mr. Mayhew's work on London Labour and the London Poor, and other sources. We are enabled to give the following table of the total annual supply of fish to the London market. Description of fish, number of fish, weight of fish in pounds. Wet fish. Salmon and salmon trout. 29,000 boxes, 14 fish per box. Number, 406,000. Weight in pounds. 3,480,000. Turbot, from 8 to 16 pounds. Number, 800,000. Weight of fish in pounds, 5,600,000. Live cod, averaging 10 pounds each. Number, 400,000. Weight in pounds, 4,000,000. Soles, Averaging one quarter pounds each. Number ninety seven million five hundred and twenty thousand. Weight in pounds twenty six million eight hundred and eighty thousand. 
Brill and mullet, averaging three pounds each. Number, one million two hundred and twenty thousand. Weight in pounds, three million three hundred and sixty-six thousand. Whiting, averaging six ounces each. Number, seventeen million nine hundred and twenty thousand. Weight in pounds, six million seven hundred and twenty thousand. Haddock, averaging two pounds each. Number two million four hundred and seventy thousand. Weight in pounds, four million nine hundred and forty thousand. Plates, averaging one pound each, thirty three million six hundred thousand. Weight in pounds, thirty three million six hundred thousand. Mackerel, averaging one pound each. 23,520,000, weight in pounds, 23,520,000. Fresh herrings, 250,000 barrels, 700 fish per barrel. Number, 175 million, weight in pounds, 42 million. Ditto in bulk. One billion, fifty million in number, weight in pounds, two hundred and fifty-two million. Sprats, weight in pounds, four million. Eels, from Holland principally, England and Ireland. Number, nine million, seven hundred and ninety-seven thousand, seven hundred and sixty. Weight in pounds, one million, six hundred and thirty-two thousand, nine hundred and sixty flounders two hundred and fifty nine thousand two hundred weight in pounds forty eight thousand two hundred dabs two hundred and seventy thousand weight in pounds forty eight thousand seven hundred and fifty dry fish barreled cod fifteen thousand barrels forty fish per barrel Number, 750,000, weight in pounds, 4,200,000. Dried salt cod, 5 pounds each. Number, 1,600,000, weight in pounds, 8,000,000. Smoked haddock, 65,000 barrels, 300 fish per barrel. Number, 19,500,000, weight in pounds, 10,000,000. 920,000. Bloaters, 265,000 baskets, 150 fish per basket. Number, 147 million. Weight in pounds, 10,600,000. Red herrings, 100,000 barrels, 500 fish per barrel. Number, 50 million. Weight in pounds, 14 million. Dried sprats, 9,600 large bundles, 30 fish per bundle. Number, 288,000, weight in pounds, 9,600. Shellfish, oysters, number, 495,896,000. Lobsters, averaging one pound each. One million two hundred thousand. 
weight in pounds, 1,200,000. Crabs, averaging one pound each, 600,000. Weight in pounds, 600,000. Shrimps, 324 to a pint. Number, 498,428,648. Whelks, 227 to a half bushel. Number, 4,943,200. Mussels, 1,000 to ditto. 50,400,000. Cockles, 2,000 to ditto. 67,392,000. Periwinkles, 4,000 to ditto. 304 million in number. The whole of the above may be in round numbers reckoned to amount to the enormous number of 3 billion fish with a weight of 300,000 tons. Addendum and Anecdote it will be seen from the number and variety of the recipes which we have been enabled to give under the head of fish that there exists in the salt ocean and fresh water rivers an abundance of aliment which the present state of gastronomic art enables the cook to introduce to the table in the most agreeable forms and oftentimes at a very moderate cost less nutritious as a food than the flesh of animals more succulent than vegetables fish may be termed a middle dish suited to all temperaments and constitutions and one which those who are recovering from illness may partake of with safety and advantage as to which is the best fish there has been much discussion the old latin proverb however de gustibus non disputatum, and the more modern Spanish one, sobre los gustos no hay disputa, declare with equal force that where taste is concerned, no decision can be arrived at. Each person's palate may be differently affected, pleased or displeased, and there is no standard by which to judge why a red mullet, a sole, or a turbot should be better or worse than a salmon, trout, pike, or a tiny tench. Fish, as we have explained, is less nourishing than meat, for it is lighter in weight, size for size, and contains no osmosome. See number 100. Shellfish, oysters particularly, furnish but little nutriment, and this is the reason why so many of the latter can be eaten without injury to the system. In Brilat's Sovereigns, footnote, Brilat Sovereign was a French lawyer and, and judge of considerable eminence and great talents, and wrote, under the above title, a book on gastronomy, full of instructive information, enlivened with a fund of pleasantly told anecdote. In Brilat's Sovereign's clever and amusing volume, The Physiology of Taste, he says that towards the end of the 18th century it was a most common thing for a well-arranged entertainment in Paris to commence with oysters, and that many guests were not contented without swallowing twelve dozen. 
being anxious to know the weight of this advanced card, he ascertained that a dozen oysters, fluid included, weighed four ounces. Thus the twelve dozen would weigh about three pounds, and there can be no doubt that the same persons, who made no worse a dinner on account of having partaken of the oysters, would have been completely satisfied if they had eaten the same weight of chicken or mutton. An anecdote, perfectly well authenticated, is narrated of a French gentleman, Monsieur Laperte, residing at Versailles, who was extravagantly fond of oysters, declaring he never had enough. Savarin resolved to procure him the satisfaction, and gave him an invitation to dinner, which was duly accepted. The guest arrived, and his host kept company with him in swallowing the delicious bivalves up to the tenth dozen, when, exhausted, he gave up, and let Monsieur Lepert go on alone. This gentleman managed to eat thirty-two dozen within an hour, and would doubtless have got through more, but the person who opened them is described as not being very skilful. In the interim, Savarin was idle, and at length, tired with his painful state of inaction, he said to Lepert, whilst the latter was still in full career, Mon cher, you will not eat as many oysters to-day as you meant. Let us dine. They dined, and the insatiable oyster-eater acted at the repast as if he had fasted for a week. Fish Carving General Directions for Carving Fish In carving fish, care should be taken to keep it in perfect flakes, as if these are broken, the beauty of the fish is lost. The carver should be acquainted, too, with the choicest parts and morsels, and to give each guest an equal share of these tidbits should be his maxim. Steel knives and forks should on no account be used in helping fish, as these are liable to impart to it a very disagreeable flavor. Where silver fish carvers are considered too dear to be bought, good electro-plated ones answer very well, and are inexpensive. The prices set down for them by Monsieur Slack of the Strand are from a guinea upwards. Cod's Head and Shoulders For recipe, see number 232, and for mode of serving, colored plate C. Illustration First, run the knife along the center of the side of the fish, namely from D to B, down to the bone. Then carve it in unbroken slices downwards from D to E, or upwards from D to C, as shown in the engraving. The carver should ask the guests if they would like a portion of the roe and liver. Note, of this fish, the parts about the backbone and shoulders are the firmest and most esteemed by connoisseurs. The sound which lines the fish beneath the backbone, is considered a delicacy, as are also the gelatinous parts about the head and neck. Salmon. For recipe, see number 301 
and for mode of dressing colored plate B. Illustration. First run the knife quite down to the bone along the side of the fish from A to B and also from C to D. Then help the thick part lengthwise, that is in the direction of the lines from A to B, and the thin part breadthwise, that is in the direction of the lines from E to F, as shown in the engraving. A slice of the thick part should always be accompanied by a smaller piece of the thin from the belly. Where lies the fat of the fish? Note, many persons in carving salmon make the mistake of slicing the thick part of this fish in the opposite direction to that we have stated, and thus by the breaking of the flakes the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. Boiled or Fried Sole for recipes see numbers 321 and 327. The usual way of helping this fish is to cut it quite through, bone and all, distributing it in nice and not too large pieces. A moderately sized sole will be sufficient for three slices, namely the head, middle, and tail. The guests should be asked which of these they prefer. A small one will only give two slices. If the sole is very large, the upper side may be raised from the bone, and then divided into pieces, and the underside afterwards served in the same way. In helping filleted soles, one fillet is given to each person. For mode of serving, see colored plate A. Turbot for recipes, see number 337, and for mode of serving, colored plate E. First, run the fish slice down the thickest part of the fish, quite through to the bone from A to B, and then cut handsome and regular slices in the direction of the lines downwards from C to E, and upwards from C to D, as shown in the engraving. When the carver has removed all the meat from the upper side of the fish, the backbone should be raised, put on one side of the dish, and the underside helped as the upper. A brill and John Dory are carved in the same manner as a turbot. Illustration Note The thick parts of the middle of the back are the best slices in a turbot and the rich gelatinous skin covering the fish, as well as a little of the thick part of the fins, are dainty morsels, and should be placed on each plate. Whiting, etc. Whiting, pike, haddock, and other fish, when of a sufficiently large size, may be carved in the same manner as a salmon. When small, they may be cut through, bone and all, and helped in nice pieces. A middling-sized whiting, serving for two slices. Note, the thick part of the eel is reckoned the best, and this holds good of all flat fish. The tail of the lobster is the prime part, and next to that, the claws. Illustration, Fish Carvers illustration. End of section 18. 
Read by Dennis Sayers and Modesto, California, for LibriVox.